football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Yes, it is great to be back with you in the new year. Second show of the new year, and now the NFL playoffs start getting really, really good. The teams with the buys will all be in action against teams that obviously won last weekend and have a little momentum. Oh, and we have a college football playoff championship game as well, looming on Monday between LSU and Clemson to decide the whole thing. Lots to discuss here on the program. So welcome in wherever you found us, however you found us. Thank you for doing so. It is the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdog selections in college and pro football. We will be morphing coming up into college basketball with the NFL season dwindling, college football again coming to an end on Monday night. This becomes college hoop intensive uh, come uh, later in January and, of course, obviously in February, heading to the greatest month that there is, and that is the month of March uh, for the college hoopdom. There is no better month. There is no better event than the NCAA tournament in those three weekends. So can't wait for the show to morph to that, but plenty of pigskin between now and then to discuss on this podcast. Uh, coming up, Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast. Frequent guests, Gary and Chris Giannini off their show on this program, Gary will be back to talk NFL playoffs and the Monday Night College Football Playoff Championship game. Also, he took a hiatus last week because of New Year's being midweek, uh, and he was traveling, etc. cetera. Uh, Brian Edwards, back with me here from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Excellent handicapper. He's got some NFL thoughts on underdogs, uh, as well as the Monday Night LSU-Clemson College Football Playoff title game. So Brian Edwards with us later on in the program. And Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast, who has been rolling along with bowl games and NFL predictions, he is back as well here on the show. Look forward to talking with him about these divisional round games, starting with Minnesota and San Francisco on Saturday, then the Titans and the Ravens later Saturday night, early game Chiefs-Texans Sunday. We wrap with the Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers for the four divisional round games. Sean will have thoughts on those, and I'll get his impression, too, about LSU and Clemson and what might happen to end this college football season there at the uh, Superdome, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, home away from home game from LSU. Clemson will still represent, though, in the South as the defending champs, looking for three titles in four years. So in any event, uh, anxious to talk with the guests about that. Uh, anxious to uh, to break down some of these games myself and give you some underdog predictions. I swung and missed with the Philadelphia Eagles. They were my only underdog for last week out of the divisional round of the playoffs, and the Eagles obviously were doomed in part when Carson Wentz suffered that concussion. First quarter of the game with Seattle. Give the Seahawks credit. Russell Wilson, tremendous amount of credit. Their defense bowed up. DJ uh, uh, sorry, DK Metcalf, the outstanding wide receiver. I saw him at field level against my Buccaneers and was basically unstoppable uh, back in early November, and he was the same way. Philadelphia had no answers in their secondary for him. So anyway, that Seahawk uh, matchup uh, now with Green Bay, I'm very interested in that one. So we didn't have underdog winners last week. I know Chris Giannini had the Buffalo Bills, who were looking so good. 
Uh, but Chris from the Winning Cures Everything podcast, just like everybody else that had Buffalo, had to rip that ticket up because Houston came back, got the win, got the overtime field goal, got the cover. So that's unfortunate for Buffalo as they still have not won a playoff game in the 2000s. They got in there again, but have not been able to find a way to get the win. So in any event, we've got our handicappers coming up. Uh, you know, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Uh, coming off of uh, off of the weekend where we saw those playoff upsets. We've seen coaching hires now. The Cowboys hire Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach. Had a lot of success in Green Bay, obviously won a Super Bowl championship. Redskins did go with Ron Rivera in the process. The former Carolina coach had them in the Super Bowl back five years ago. Uh, remember, they were, they were working on the perfect season back at 14-0 with Cam Newton and company. So, Rivera is going to try to make it work in Washington where nobody's be, really been able to make it consistently work under Dan Snyder and his 20 years of ownership. We'll see what happens there. I am defi- We don't know what the Browns have done yet as we're taping here on Three Dog Thursday and they're still interviewing candidates. And for God's sake, Jimmy Haslam has gone through coaches like underwear. So why not take a month to figure out who's going to replace uh, Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland and Northern Ohio for the Browns? But I- I'm particularly perplexed. Perplexed is the word that I will use here that the Carolina Panthers go with a college coach in Matt Rule. We'll talk more about that uh, a little bit later on here on Three Dog Thursday. Rule with success, with some success at Baylor. He got them into the national spotlight, but let's be honest, they lost every big game they played at the end. Twice to Oklahoma, including the Big 12 title game. I know that Charlie Brewer, the quarterback, got hurt in the Big 12 title game. They lost it in overtime. It's, hard. it's, a, it's a loss, folks, for Baylor. They play the Sugar Bowl and Georgia handled them back last week since last we were with you on Three Dog Thursday on the New Year's Night game. So they they didn't win the significant games on their schedule. Nice story, yes. Suddenly Matt Rule, who again did a good job of turning around Temple and making them respectable, but they never won the American Conference. They never got on the big stage and won a big bowl game. And Matt Rule now gets an NFL job where he's being paid $8 million a year. That is amazing. What a country. What a country we're in. We'll talk more about that on the podcast. But I am perplexed because Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, and it's not just him individually. There are numerous different black head coaches, whether, whether it's Jim Caldwell, the former Colts head coach, the former uh, Lions head coach who had both of those teams in the playoffs. He was the offensive coordinator that helped the Ravens win the Super Bowl a few years ago. How is Jim Caldwell not getting consideration in Carolina or even with the New York Giants, who end up hiring a Patriots assistant, Joe Judge. I I know Patriots assistants right now in vogue with Brian Flores winning some games late in the year in Miami. Mike Vrabel obviously won the playoff game as a former Patriot player uh, with the Tennessee Titans last week, beating New England. Uh, Look, there have been other assistants, though, that haven't done as well. Romeo Cronell, Josh McDaniels tried it as a head coach. It didn't work out. I know Bill O'Brien's a former assistant as well. He's had success in Houston, so it's kind of been a mixed bag. But uh, with a judge not having any experience uh, as an NFL coach, uh, as a head coach, how is Eric Bieniemy not more qualified? How is Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City the last two years with Patrick Mahomes, Bieniemy played at the highest level in the NFL as a player, a college star and an NFL star. I just don't understand how Matt Rule's a better choice. Joe Judge is a better choice. Maybe if one of them had hired Jim Caldwell, 
Uh, I mean, it is very perplexing for minorities. Uh, the Rooney Rule appears to be a joke in the NFL where where the token interview like Marvin Lewis with the Dallas Cowboys or Biennemi getting the interview in Carolina but not ser- serious consideration for the job in lieu of a college coach who's never even been an NFL coordinator like Biennemi has? Uh, to me, and again, there, there are other examples here uh, that if you were a white, young, up-and-coming offensive mind like Sean McVay or off his coaching tree, uh, Matt LaFleur, who's the Packers coach, or Zach Taylor, who was terrible as the Bengals coach this year, you get the chance to be the head coach. How has Biennemi not gotten the chance? How did Byron Leftwich and look, I don't have unique insight here, even though I'm on the Buccaneer radio broadcast, but how did Byron Leftwich, the Bucs offensive coordinator, in a year when they averaged nearly 30 points a game, when Jameis Winston, the quarterback, throws for 5,000 yards, Byron Leftwich played quarterback in the NFL. Byron Leftwich has now been an assistant for, for what, three or four years in the NFL. An offensive, how does he not get an interview? Uh, again, it is perplexing what's going on with the Rooney Rule and creating opportunities uh, for blackhead coaches in particular. There was one, one blackhead coach hired last year, five openings, four of them filled right now, no blackhead coaches this season. And the argument absolutely should be made that the power structure of white owners, the power structure of white general managers, picking white head coaches over and over again, you almost have to be blind to this. I know Steve Weich of the NFL Network, longtime respected uh, NFL uh, reporter, uh, did a couple of, uh, of different segments this week on the NFL Network talking about it. That not, that not being given the same consideration when you're a black offensive coordinator or even defensive coordinator in recent years uh, it is uh, it is something that the NFL and Roger Goodell have to address. They have to address with their teams of opening up the pipeline for black general managers, the opportunity for black general managers, and that the owners have a more open mind and be more apt to a young, unproven black coach like they are with an unproven white coach. And again, the recent examples of Cliff Kingsbury, completely unproven at the NFL level. Only a college coach got an opportunity last year. How is it that, again, I'm singling out Eric Bieniemy doing NFL interviews for head coaching jobs as an NFL successful offensive coordinator can't get the shot? And he interviewed last year as well and did not get the shot. So we'll talk more about that as the show unfolds, more about Matt Rule getting the uh, Carolina job. Again, I, I was witness to a college coach that was a disaster as an NFL head coach in Greg Schiano. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury, jury's out, but they went 5-10-1. They went 2-7 and seven down the stretch of the season. It is not easy to just step in. Chip Kelly fell apart as a college coach in the NFL. In his, uh, in his final stop in San Francisco, they were 2-14, and 14, and he was 1-done and done and fired. I know there are some guys as college coaches that have done well, but if you're going to point to Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, those guys were NFL guys before they were college guys. Harbaugh at Stanford, Carroll at USC. Harbaugh, a proven NFL quarterback. Carroll, a proven NFL coordinator and head coach prior to ever being a college coach and then coming back to the NFL. Carroll has been in the Super Bowl twice and won one. Harbaugh went to the Super Bowl, narrow miss, losing to his brother in the Baltimore Ravens. 
back five years ago. So in any event, the college coach coming to the NFL, there'll be a lot of debate about that. And Matt Rule is the latest one. All right, so we'll get to the underdogs in the divisional round. I'll have thoughts uh, with the guests on the Clemson LSU game. I do not believe this is just a rubber stamp for LSU in the Superdome. We'll talk more about that as the show goes on. By the way, Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. If you're going to these NFL playoff games this weekend, whether it's San Francisco, uh, whether it's Baltimore, Kansas City, Green Bay, or even that Monday night championship game in New Orleans for LSU and Clemson, get your tickets with Vivid Seats. Guys, it takes less than five minutes to, to sign up. Guys and girls. It takes less than five minutes to sign up and make your purchase. And it's 100% secure with Vivid Seats. That purchase you're making on the secondary market for the tickets to all of these games, go to Vivid Seats and their mobile app. Find it in the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. And we've got a promo code for you. If you're a first-time user, go to uh, Vivid Seats and use that promo code at checkout Thursday for Three Dog Thursday, Thursday 10. Thursday 10 will save you 10% off your initial order. First-time user, sign up. It'll take two or three minutes to sign up. Get yourself an account. Go pick out your seats. Use the promo code THURSDAY10. Save 10% up to $50 with Vivid Seats. Utilize that promo code and save. And again, with Vivid Seats for the NFL playoffs and the title game, you're going to find no better selection, 100% customer service satisfaction guarantee on your purchase. Go now to the Google Play or the Apple Store, download the app, get your tickets with Vivid Seats, and remember the promo code THURSDAY10. All right, we're ready to go. Guest galore coming up. I'm excited to talk with him about the playoffs and the college football playoff championship game. Let's do it do get to say happy new year happy divisional nfl playoff weekend happy national title game coming lsu and clemson as gary seegers hops back on here on three dog thursday from the winning cures everything podcast how you feeling it's a brand new year it's a brand new decade and we've got a lot to sort out my friend oh absolutely in in my college basketball pick so far on the season i am 50 34 and two after going three and two last night that is 59.5%. I have made uh, a, a substantial amount of money so far <laughs> in college. Hoops. Okay, so uh, but yeah, we got to finish up the NFL. We got to finish up the football, <laughs> but you're also, without fully being aware of it, now making yourself available for Three Dog Thursday as we talk college basketball throughout the rest of January, February, because the NFL games are going to dwindle out here, and we got to have lots and lots of college hoops. I'm a big college hoops guy. That's what this show becomes, Brother Seegers, uh, here over the next few weeks heading to March. So I'm loving those stats, and the audience should be loving those stats. Uh, just please take care of the Memphis Tigers for me, my alma mater. You're there in Memphis. Uh, you're in and around it. They lost the game to Georgia. Depending on when they're hearing us, Gary, huge game at Wichita State in college basketball for Thursday night. Can you please take care of Penny Hardaway and the Tigers? I know they can take care of themselves, but can you give them a little extra nudge and take care of them, please, in my absence? Hey, you, you know what I need to do? I need to take them some vitamin C. That's what I need because we DJ Jeffries missed the Georgia game with flu-like symptoms, and now his roommate Damian Ball oh. uh, looks like he, oh. he could possibly be out because he is suffering the same symptoms. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. I think they're both going to play on Thursday night, but you know we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure what this team is without James Wiseman. They have been really good, you know, and there's there's only been a handful of teams 
that have had top 15 defensive and tempo efficiency ratings. And over the years, over the last 20 years, it's been seven teams or maybe maybe nine or ten, something like that. But like seven of them were all North Carolina teams, <laughs> and all of them have one or two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Right, right. So I don't know with the, the Tigers resume that they'll be able to get in uh, as a one or two seed. But, you know, I mean, they, they've only got two losses on the year. Love and, it. and that was without uh, – you know, without DJ Jefferson. Hey, you know what I like to say? I'm a big Memphis fan. Dot, 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 go Tigers, go. And for those that are being bored by this talk of the Memphis Tigers, go get your own show. Go get your own podcast. That's what we're choosing <laughs> to talk about uh, right now. And again, you may be listening later in the weekend and know that Memphis did well, hung in, or did Wichita State dust them? And, and Wichita State's actually better this year, Greg Marshall's team. So... We'll find out about that. So there's a little college basketball talk. Let's move it to the NFL. I want to get to the games. First, I spent a little time on Three Dog Thursday before you came on talking about some of the coaching hires. Um, and, and I get why these individual teams are doing things. Obviously, we have a couple of former coaches that immediately have gotten new jobs. Ron Rivera being hired uh, by the Washington Redskins. And then I thought it was a little bit of a surprise, but Mike McCarthy, previous work with quarterback, uh, Aaron Rodgers, previous work with quarterbacks as an NFL assistant in San Francisco and uh, and with the uh, New Orleans Saints, he gets the Cowboys job kind of in short order. Um, and then there's a couple of hires of Matt Rule, the Baylor coach to Carolina, and this Joe Judge hire is raising eyebrows, not just in New York City, but everywhere uh, outside of New York. Not a proven head coach. Yes, a Patriot assistant. But a lot of people are looking at that going, where's the experience level? Um, I added the name Eric Bieniemy, Gary Seegers, as as a proven offensive coordinator now with Andy Reid the last couple of years in Kansas City, a former NFL player, a longtime assistant coach. I, I can't understand. I love quoting Ricky Henderson. You love this about me. Splain that, Ricky's line. Splain that, that Bienemy is not more qualified than Joe Judge in New York or even Matt Rule to get the Panthers job when Bienemy's been doing this in the NFL. Those are my feelings. What do you want to say about any or all of that, sir, before we get into picking games? Well, let's start with Bienemy. Um I-, I wonder if Matt Nagy's you know, tenure with the Bears has kind of scared people off. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing, and obviously taking coaches from very successful head coaches, uh, you like to think that maybe they learned something under those guys. Right. But, you know, it, maybe Nagy scared some people off, but you would think that, that the Josh McDaniels tenure with the Broncos and whatnot may have scared off people from hiring from the Belichick tree, uh, but that's just not the case. But uh, then again, I, I think, then again, Vrabel did well in Tennessee, including uh, they won a playoff game against New England last weekend. So there are examples. I just true. and look and look, uh, uh, Nagy went to the playoffs last year, and Chicago had a decent oh, yeah. year, not a playoff year. So I, I'm just wondering. I understand the but, frustration but it's not because of offense. Right, right, right. But I understand. Not because of offense. But like I understand the. Uh, I understand the frustration when we saw, uh, for example, Zach Taylor get a chance with the Bengals, and I know they're the Bengals, but he got a chance with the Bengals. How? I mean, the enemy has got to be very frustrated right now, and we'll see what Cleveland ends up doing, um, and we'll see if the enemy ends up maybe becoming a college head coach instead, and says, "Hey, I'll go make millions in college and try it there," because he obviously had success at Colorado. I don't know, but I'm hijacking your point. Say what you want to say about Matt Rule and the whole and the whole process here. Well, let's let's 
keep on the enemy for for two seconds. Uh, what makes us believe that he has he come out and said that he actually wants the Giants' job? Because I don't know that there's a lot of people that want to work <laughs> with a with a GM that's only going to be there for a year. Like I think that their pool was really really small, and I don't know that he necessarily wanted that job. So you know, if, if you take a job, um, it, you you've got one real shot at this thing. Uh, and if you don't get it done, and obviously he could come back and work for Andy Reid or he can work for any number of people because he's a proven offensive coordinator. But, you know, if you, for whatever reason, don't succeed in that job and it's because of the, the circumstances around you, uh, you know, why, why put yourself in that position? You've already got a good gig. Keep going until you can pick the job that you want. At least that's the way that I would look at it. Right. Um, as far as Matt Rule goes, Absolute home run hire. Uh, he is he is built to do this. He has been every kind of position coach, quarterback coach, wide receiver coach, defensive line coach, offensive line coach, uh, secondary. You know, he's been all over the map. He understands the game of football. And the coaches that can do both, that understand that it is – you work together. Your offense sets up your defense. Your defense sets up your offense. And you've got special – Right, Matt Rule's teams have been good at all of them, and he will continue to do that at Carolina. Um, he taught, or he taught, he uh, coached at Western Carolina back in the day, so at least he's a little bit familiar with the landscape around Charlotte. I think Western Carolina is about forty-five minutes from Charlotte, and so he's got some familiarity there. Uh, he has he has always been able to develop players from less than's to great. And I think he will continue to do that with Carolina. Carolina is just a few players away from being a really good team. I mean, we saw it some this year. Uh, Rivera had that whole thing where he would win big one year and then not so good the next year and then big the next year and then not so good. I, I'm curious if Rule can uh, can even that thing out and, and just be a consistent win. You know, win 10 games a year, win nine games a year, whatever it is. Uh, basically do what Bill O'Brien has done except have – playoff success, right? Right. Like I, I don't trust Bill O'Brien, but uh, a lot of that has to do with playoffs. So I, I think Matt Rule can really succeed in this spot. He uh, he picked a, a better job, I think, than the Giants' job. Uh, at Carolina, you don't have as much media stuff on you all the time. The spotlight is not as bright as it is with the Giants. Uh, and I think that's perfect for him. You know, he's going to go in and do his thing and build up those players and develop that team – and I think it is great. I mean, he, he met with the owner. He is, he's the guy. He runs that franchise. The I mean, only thing what, that I will, I got you, and he got the big guaranteed deal and has got a long opportunity, probably three years at least, to try to turn it around, uh, depending. The only thing that I will submit is he hasn't done it with pro players, and there's numerous examples, even in this century, of college coaches not being able to get through to NFL guys and make it happen. And don't give me this, uh, you didn't say this, I'm just saying in general, don't give me this Pete Carroll stuff. Pete Carroll was an NFL coach before USC. Pete Carroll was a successful NFL coach who had the Patriots in the playoffs before he was at USC. So he was more of an NFL coach. And I, and I know Jim Harbaugh won at Stanford, 
uh, and, it, and it was the entree to the 49ers earlier this century. It's still weird to say that. But uh, Harbaugh was a former NFL player, a playoff caliber quarterback in the NFL that understood NFL players. That's the real question mark with Matt Rule. It is an unknown about whether he can pull this off with NFL players, get through to them, and succeed. You believe he can. You laid it out. I am I am the show-me state. I'm Missouri. I want to see it first, and obviously we'll see the Panthers in my Buccaneer duties head-to-head twice a year in the NFC South here in the short term uh, with that. We'll find out. Cl- Cliff Kingsbury had some early success, but he found out uh, down the stretch of the season they start figuring out your offense, they start figuring out what you're doing, and they struggled. And so now he's on a little warmer seat year two. We'll see what, uh, what Kingsbury can do. Anyway, uh, so there's some on the on the coaching carousel. I want to put to Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Tennessee knocks off New England at New England. Uh, road win Minnesota. I was stunned. I was dead wrong on Three Dog Thursday last week. I thought the Saints would roll. <laughs> Minnesota beats them in overtime. And then in the late game Sunday, Seattle on the road. I didn't think they'd win that game. At Philadelphia, I had the Eagles on Three Dog Thursday as the short underdog. If I say to you, which of those three wins impressed you the most and why give me one gary i would have get it can i maybe say none none of them impressed you I, yes I, wait a minute none of those I, wins vikings, impressed you hold on let me explain let me explain so the vikings win i guess would be the most impressive one the seahawks win uh once carson Wentz goes out yeah. and you're playing a 40 year old josh McCown, yep uh you are expected to win that game and and the seahawks were favored in the game anyway um in the the Vikings game, I have come to accept that the Saints have PTSD and they get nervous <laughs> and they pucker up in playoff games. Right. Like it, that's that is the only explanation because they were on fire going into the playoffs. Uh, the Vikings were reeling going into the playoffs, and it was just it, the Vikings played not necessarily out of their minds, but they made key plays at key points, and the Saints didn't. The Saints did not make a massive play, it felt like, all day. You know, and when, when they really had to have it, they could not get a stop. Uh, they, their offense could not get going. Now, give a lot of credit to the Vikings for yep. that, but I, I think a lot of it had to do with New Orleans, and, and when they get to the playoffs now, I mean, think of, is it three years straight that they have lost on the last play of the game? I mean, that's, that's terrible. It's wild. Um, yep. as far as the, and it's, the Titans and and it's back-to-back years losing at home in a close situation in the overtime, which that place is almost uh, – it, it is like a fortress. It's almost impenetrable to get into the Superdome and win in the regular season, but for whatever reason in the postseason, not the case the last couple of years, very true. And you were going to say Titans? You were going to say Titans and, ten- and uh, New England? It, yeah, the Titans – New England, you know, obviously we saw the uh, the Kings in the armor – uh, going down the stretch, I mean, they were four and four in their last eight uh, after starting off eight and zero, and, and the defense looked incredible. And the defense still played really well, but Brady, like Brady, played fine. I thought that he was okay, but man, he has no weapons around him, and that offensive line cannot run block, so they can't get the ground game going because they, you, all the defenses understand, especially the Titans, because they are built in the same image. Um, you know, credit to the Patriots for limiting the Titans to only 14 points offensively. But if you hold the Titans to only 14 points, you should win that ball game. 
It, it wasn't super impressive. I mean, the Titans scored zero offensive points after the half. So, How about neither one you know, of them scored? It was I'm the first. Gonna... It was the first NFL playoff game since the mid 1980s that did not have a point scored in the second half of the game. So that way, it was very unusual, very yeah. low scoring, very old, old school, Gary. No, it was definitely that. So I, I, looking back at it, you know, I feel like I should have seen this stuff. Um, you know, I, I got the picks wrong. I, I went one and three last week. The only one that I got was the the stupid Texans. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, looking back, I should have seen this um, because you know you think, all right, it's happened to the Saints two years in a row, and and more than that, I mean, it goes back even further with just the the heartbreaking playoff losses that they get. Um, it, I feel like it was it was a bit of PTSD for them, and and they just kind of pucker up when they get in that spot, and I can understand it because. You've been there so many times, and it just keeps happening, uh, and you don't know how to stop it. it. It's a mental thing for the Saints. Uh, so, you know, I do give credit to the Vikings. I think that was the most impressive because, you know, you needed Kirk Cousins to come out and make championship throws, and he did. And that was that was really impressive. But the biggest thing with that was the Saints were not able to get pressure on him uh, as often as they would have liked to. And, and I, I think that might be a different uh, – that might be a different situation. And, and there you great. go. They ran, <laughs> boom, they ran the ball, and that's what helped, and we'll we'll see if that translates. All right, so there are your feelings about last weekend. We've got the divisional round buffet in front of us. Saturday doubleheader is Minnesota at San Francisco early. The later game, Tennessee, Saturday night at Baltimore. Sunday, Houston, Kansas City is the earlier game with the Chiefs off the bye, and then Green Bay off the bye hosting the Seahawks. Again, as I as I said to the guest last week, and you're leading off this week, you're not obligated to take any of them. Maybe you like one. What do you like on the divisional round? Maybe you like two. I don't know. What about it, Gary? I I like two. Let's start off on Saturday night. Uh, the Titans you can get at ten. You can get nine and a half. You can get nine, depending on the book that you go to. Uh, it's just kind of all over the map this week. Uh, it, a lot of the other ones, you know, last week they kind of just sat in one spot. You know. Once they once the lines got set and and they were bet up or down, they kind of sat until game day. Uh, this week, it, I don't know that anybody really knows which way they want to go on this. Uh, I'm going to roll with Tennessee in this game, uh, which seems a little crazy. You know, the the Ravens are plus 97 in the first quarter this year. That leads the NFL. It is an astronomical number. Um, I mean, they they just bombard teams early. And if you are the Titans, uh, I don't know that the Ravens will be able to stop Derrick Henry so long as you actually show a threat of a pass with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and that bunch. Uh, there is no Stephon Gilmore on the other side for the Ravens. Now, they do have Marlon Humphrey and, and all that. I, I get it. They do have capable players. But I think A.J. Brown will have a little bit of success in this game. Uh, he was only targeted once last week and had zero catches. I think that'll be different this go-round. Uh, and, and having that passing game will open up the running game. They're going to have to hold on to the football. Uh, that's bottom line. They can't have turnovers. You can't have Tannehill freak out. Um, and I think that he'll actually show up in this game. I don't, I don't expect him to have two bad games in a row uh, now that we're into, uh, into the playoffs. I really like the Titans plus 10 here. Um, if you get it at nine and a half, buy it up to ten. Just get get that ten number just to be on the safe side. 
But I, I do think this is, you know, about a touchdown game. I think the Ravens will probably win. They're at home. Right. But, you know, the Titans' defense has shown that they they can slow down big-time offenses. And we saw the Ravens in the playoffs last year. Yep. Where, yep. you know, it, uh, it, once we get there and people kind of know what to expect, uh, if you can find a way to slow down Lamar Jackson, it big big part of this, Mark Ingram, maybe not playing. That's right. Like, I – We'll we'll see, and if they don't have Ingram, you know I, I think he's a big part of uh, of what they do. I I I like the Titans here. I like the Titans plus the And Titans keep here. an and, eye. And I, I like I like what you said. Sure, I like what you said on Ingram too. Keep an eye as it is three dog Thursday on the weekend because if he's not playing, the line may move down a little bit because it's an unknown right now, and I think he's that big of a deal. It may be a point, something like that. But Ingram is a big deal to their running attack, and we'll find out uh, what the Ravens have in that matchup. All right, so out of the other ones, do you have another divisional round underdog you like? You like the Titans plus 10, another one, Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast? The Texans are the same way, and I, I, like everybody else, hate the Texans. It it is what it is. (laughs) But the Texans went into Arrowhead, and it's not because I hate the city. I don't hate them. I, I don't like Bill O'Brien's coaching. For whatever reason, it doesn't do it for me. Um, but that line is sitting at 10, 9.5, depending on the book, you know, pinnacle, bet online, whatever. Um, you, can, uh, you can find it at 10. I would go take it at 10. And, you know, it, the Chiefs give up 5.0 yards per rush to quarterbacks this, in, this, uh, in this season. That's 25th in the league. And it, it hasn't gotten any better as we go on. Um, now, the Texans, of course, their defense has allowed just massive numbers. I mean, they, they've allowed the fourth most passing touchdowns uh, of any team in the NFL this season. Uh, they allowed the sixth highest QBR in the NFL. So Mahomes may have a field day. But I think this will be super high scoring. And mm. I think Deshaun Watson will have a day. Uh, they, they got their, their freak out out of the way in the first half against the, uh, the Bills last week. Uh, the Chiefs have a, a, Good defense, a decent defense. It is not up to the level that the Bills have. And I look for the Texans to be able to put points on the board. Ten points here is way too many. I think this is a a one-possession game either way. Uh, And like I said, the Texans went in in week six and and whooped up on the Chiefs at home. Now, that was with an injured Mahomes. But still, they're not scared to go to Arrowhead. So I, I will take the Texans plus the 10 here. All right, very good. Two AFC double-digit underdogs in the divisional round uh, for this weekend. few more moments with Gary Seegers. He and Chris Giannini do a great job winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show. Uh, We want you to find their show because they've got an extended show on the college football playoff national championship game. They are playing that one Monday night, extra week in between here for the Monday night showdown at the Superdome, LSU and Clemson. Clemson looking for the repeat. Clemson looking for three titles in four years for Dabo Sweeney. Uh, So that's what's on the line Monday. So again, we encourage the fans because you and Chris, and Chris is in the LSU shirt. I've already seen the video through and through, (laughs) through the whole preview of the title game. Extended preview with your thoughts, with Chris's thoughts. But you, I'm smelling because of that show. I'm smelling you like Clemson when we come around to Monday night to at least hang in for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Gary. That line is six or five and a half, depending on where you get it. 
Uh, I do like Clemson. They've been here. They have geared up for this. They they got the you know the first half against Ohio State uh, is is where you really uh, could have made your money on Ohio State, right? And I I luckily saw that game going the way that it did. I didn't bet uh, one side or the other, um, but I did bet the first half, and I bet Ohio State. And the reason for that was Clemson has not seen anything close to Ohio State all year, but now that they have. Ohio State and LSU are very comparable as far as talent on the field. Yes, LSU's offense is significantly better, but I, I just think if you give if you give Brent Venables two weeks to uh, to gear up for an offense, he will figure out a way to slow them down at least somewhat. Now, Joe Burrow has been out of his mind all season, but there have been times that you've been able to slow them down. You know, Auburn was able to do it a little bit. Now, they still had 500 yards of offense. But, you know, he throws in some some fluky stuff. And with Isaiah Simmons being able to play basically any position on the field, uh, he doesn't have to have a super strong defensive line. This actually plays in Clemson's favor against LSU. Last year, Tua had zero protection. The offensive line played as well as they could. But Clemson had, you know, four NFL draft picks. Right. Playing on their defensive line. This year they don't. But Burrow is better when he's under pressure. You know, it, it, it's the craziest stat in the world. I mean, he's hitting like 79% of his passes when you blitz. I don't think they're going to blitz a lot. They're going to bring pressure somewhat. They're going to keep the pocket contained. But, you know, I, I think that Clemson back seven can slow down these receivers at least a little bit. And with that, you know, Clemson having all of the experience of being in the playoffs for five straight years, I I like Clemson in this spot. Uh, if you can get them at six, I would get them at six. Uh, I think they've got a really good chance of winning this game. Uh, they they play into that underdog role just ridiculously. I mean, they were playing, you know, Aretha Franklin's respect after the Ohio State game <laughs> as, if, as if nobody thought they were going to win. The fact, please, I mean, you're defending ridiculous. national champs. Exactly. You've got the proper amount of respect. Whatever you need to motivate yourselves with, I'm with you. And I think that extra time here, I said this when I hopped on with you guys on Winning Cures Everything, that Brent Venables with the extra week, I think schematically it may help them. They may be able to get an interception or a sack fumble. Do I believe they're going to hold LSU to 17, 21 point? No. I think LSU gets to 24, <laughs> gets to 28, but I think Clemson can get there with them and find a way to hang in and win. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, let's just hope we get a great game. I don't want a one-sided championship game. It was a snooze fest last year with what Clemson did to Alabama in the second yeah. half. Let's hope we get a good title game for Monday night. Gary, we got to roll in a moment. Tell the fans more about all of your stuff because you're previewing the divisional round. You're previewing the college football playoff title game, LSU and Clemson, and much more. Tell them where to find it, how to find it, all your stuff. Go ahead, sir. Hey, before before we get to that, have you told your audience why there was a two-week break between the, uh, the uh, playoff games and the national championship game? Uh, no, I have not told them, but I think we both know, and I think most of the smart audience knows, but go ahead, share it. All right, so, so here's the deal. The playoff games were originally set for December 31st, and it, it, they had it December 31st for the duration of that 12-year contract. And it, everybody, of course, is coming up with conspiracy theories about, oh, well, they didn't want to go head-to-head with The Bachelor, and they didn't want to do this, this, this. <laughs> Look. When it was scheduled for December 31st, 
there was no way they were going to turn around and have the championship game six days later. Right. Like that, that wouldn't work. So from a Tuesday to a Monday. So they had it scheduled out for the following Monday to fit with ESPN scheduling uh, after all the NFL stuff. Once they realized that doing it on New Year's Eve was a terrible idea. Correct. You know, in the years that the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl don't have it, they moved it back to December 28th, but the site had already been booked for the 13th. So they couldn't go back and rearrange that. So they had to keep it on the 13th. That's why there's the two-week break. So for anybody out there that thinks that it's ridiculous that there's two weeks and whatnot, it's, this is contract. This is just the way that it works when, when television gets involved. Well, exactly. So, uh, Follow the money. And the bottom line is we'll probably get better games here because you've got a little more time in between something Nick Saban was complaining about before because they, they had to operate a couple of times where it was only seven days, where the, where the New Year's Day was on Monday and you were playing the following Monday. In this case, you get an extended, what is it, 16 days here from playing that Saturday yes. to the championship game. Money, money, money dictates all of it, and they wanted those games to be seen by more people to make more money. They got to be on Saturday, not New Year's Eve. So that's the reason why that was done, no doubt. So LSU, Clemson, tee it up. Let's hope we get a good game. Plug away, my friend. Winning cures everything. Tell them more. You can find all of our stuff over at winningcureseverything.com. We've got our gambling pitch over there, our previews, our podcasts, our videos, all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We are on YouTube. Uh, Go check it out. Of course, whatever your favorite podcast app is, we are there as well. Make sure you leave a nice review and hit subscribe when you come over. We would appreciate that. TJ, you are the best. We always appreciate you having us on. I always love hopping on with you guys. Again, these these male models are doing uh, their best on YouTube to uh, to show off everything they've got uh, physically, mentally, and handicapping-wise on the YouTube show as well as the podcast. Again, at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, find Winning Cures Everything. They're a great listen. They're a lot of fun. There's a lot of content every week, multiple times. They're doing different stuff. Gary Seegers, I love it. Good luck with the double-digit AFC underdogs. Tennessee Saturday night in Baltimore. Houston Sunday early game with Kansas City. And he likes Clemson to hang in, if not win, with LSU. Let's find out what happens. Let's talk more in the coming days and weeks. Thank you here. Good luck with the underdogs on Three Dog Thursday, Gary Seegers. We appreciate you. Love talking with the Winning Cures Everything podcast, guys. And my thanks again there to Gary Seegers hanging with me still to come. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider with NFL conversation and underdogs, as well as a little talk on the LSU-Clemson game. Still to come also, Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast, will be with me. Anxious to talk with him about the playoffs and the college football playoff championship game. Stay tuned for the guest. Reminder, Three Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by Play Pick 6. Go download the Play Pick 6 game for free in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store and go pick six games. Mix and match the sports. NFL playoffs this weekend, the Monday Night Championship game, NBA basketball, college basketball, the NHL. Pick any six games. Get all six correct in that single day. You get a sports restaurant gift card. Again, play pick six, absolutely free to play. Pick any six games, mix and match the sports with the NFL playoffs, the NBA, tons of college hoops that are going on this weekend, the college football playoff championship game, the NHL. Mix and match your favorite team. Show what you know. Prove it. Don't just be an armchair quarterback. Go download the app. It'll take just a couple of minutes to set it all up. 
And then go start picking games. Every day you can pick new games and enter to win wherever you are across the country. However you're hearing this podcast, go get Play Pick 6. Find it under playpick6.com. Go to the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Sign up, pick those games, and win that sports restaurant gift card. Play Pick 6. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. He's back, and I get to say Happy New Year to him as well. Love the insight of Brian Edwards from MajorWager.com. You also read him on Vegas Insider with the insight NFL playoffs. Uh, even the college football playoff championship game we'll get to. Heck, basketball. We've got the hoops going, as we made mention of with Gary Seegers, our previous guest uh, from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. We're going to have a lot of basketball on this podcast the rest of January, uh, rolling through February into March as the as the football winds down, the hoops cranks up. First of all, Happy New Year. Did you get your fill of, of being around all the family, all the New Year's Day Bowls, first weekend of the NFL playoffs? Are we all good here in the new year? We are. Happy New Year to you and your listeners, TJ. Uh, yes, all went well uh, with the holidays. The 92-year-old grandmother was doing wonderful, and she was happy, happy. And uh, it's all good, man. And, uh, you know, finally slowing down a little bit with the bowl season. And i am I'm been able to watch a ton of hoops the last three or four nights, so that's been good. And I'm um, ready to roll, talk some NFL playoffs. And, and by the way, on the hoops part, you want to make mention here for the audience, we diversify. Uh, we, we always tell the audience that we try to uh, have as much different takes and aspects of whatever. And you've done what recently in the NBA? How good has the Brian Edwards crystal ball been for the NBA picks night in and night out? Uh, since the calendar hit 2020, I am 8-0 and in the NBA, which improves my documented record on VegasInsider.com to 23-14 and overall, so I'm at 62.2% uh, going into the night, but it has not been going so well on college hoops, but uh, <laughs> NBA, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm feeling it right uh, now. I, th- I think you are. I think you're red hot. You're like LeBron. You're like Steph Curry when he gets rolling, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, look out uh, there with uh, knocking them down. So keep up the good work there with that. And we got lots of time to talk lots of college basketball because things are getting very interesting uh, right now in the college hoops as well. Let's bring it to the NFL playoffs. So uh, I'm curious here that off of that weekend where we saw three road teams go in and get the outright W. And heck, Brian, we almost had four with the Bills leading 16 to nothing, shoulda, coulda, woulda at one point, leading 16 to nothing at Houston, yet couldn't hang on, lost in overtime, or we'd have potentially had four road winners last week. It just shows you with the playoffs, you never know as a general comment, right? A, a big week last week for the road teams. Yeah, it was. And uh, unfortunately for, for myself, uh, the only underdog that I was on was the Bills. But when they had that big lead, I, I did hedge a little bit. I, I got um, some Houston at, at plus money. Uh, so I did get a slight profit in that game. But uh, the Saints hurt me. But that's what I get for eating chalk. Yeah, well, it, it, it burned a lot of people. I don't know that a lot of people had either the Titans or the Minnesota Vikings in those two matchups, yet they are both still alive. 
Uh, all right, so I'm curious. With Minnesota at San Francisco, Tennessee taking on the top-seeded Ravens on Saturday. Sunday up first, those same Texans are in Kansas City against the Chiefs. And then the uh, the last showdown, Seattle at Green Bay, at Lambeau in the freezing cold. Where do you want to go? Again, you're not obligated to have three of them necessarily, and we are going to talk the LSU-Clemson game, so you're not, you're not obligated to have three underdogs. Do you have at least one, and where do you want to begin? Well, I have three, but I'm less bullish on Minnesota. All right. Um, I, would, I don't even know that I would say I have a favorite, but I, I really like Tennessee and Houston, and I want to be clear that if by chance your number is nine and a half, make sure to buy that half point to the key number of 10. I think that is very important, but I'll start with the Titans and man, you know, it was just bully ball with Derrick Henry last week. And that's the kind of football that works in January out in the elements, um, which obviously, you know, I haven't even looked at the weather report uh, for Baltimore, but I I don't really care. I I think that if it is snowy or, or, you know, those kind of conditions. I think they favor the Titans, who want to run the ball with Derrick Henry, a workman like 34 carries, 182 yards last week, led the NFL in the regular season with 1,540 yards. I can't say enough about Ryan Tannehill. I mean, 8-3 and three in his 11 starts in the last eight. He has a 16-2 to two TDI and T ratio. He goes into Foxborough. He plays better than Tom Brady and the Patriots although I don't put it all on Brady by by any means. Now, rookie uh, wide receiver A.J. Brown was quiet last weekend, but he made a lot of big plays down the stretch in the regular season. Look for him to be more of a factor uh, this week. Now, look, obviously there's nothing bad to say about Baltimore. 12-game winning streak, 9-1 and against the spread in the last 10. I just think this is a, a very rich number for a hot team that, can run the football with Derrick Henry, so I like Titans plus 10. Titans 6-2 and two against the spread, favorite or underdog the last eight games. And we were talking before, it is an unknown. Again, we are taping in advance of Three Dog Thursday. We may have a better idea by Saturday or Sunday. Can Mark Ingram play at all? He's going to try it. We won't know until he tries it. How effective is he? That's a huge key, I think, for the Ravens. If they cannot run it with him between the tackles, that's advantage Tennessee big time getting those. How big? Am I making too much of that? How big of an advantage do you think that is for Tennessee if Ingram is, is, let's say, not himself or not anywhere close? Oh, I think that's a, a, a very big deal. Now, I mean, Lamar Jackson can, can make up for it with, with big plays, but, you know, Ingram is a very key, vital part of their offense. I don't, I don't think you're making too much of it at all. Mm. All right, so Titans. Uh, by the way, today, the day that we're taping this, is the 20th anniversary of the Music City Miracle, the uh, the kickoff with uh, Lorenzo Neal and Kevin Dyson and throwing the ball uh, uh, backwards uh, there. Uh, yeah, Wycheck, uh, uh, right, throwing the ball backwards to Kevin Dyson. Forgive me. They flipped it back to, to Wycheck. He threw it to Dyson, and the Buffalo Bills had their heart broken. Uh, Bills, by the way, still haven't won a playoff game since the Music City Miracle with the loss last week. They're still trying to recover uh, from that that great moment in Titans history. I don't know that we'll get something equally as crazy in this game with Baltimore, but that's why we line up and play. All right, so what's another of the divisional uh, wildcard games? If you like another underdog, what might that one be, Brian Edwards? 
Uh, Texans, and it's again, if it's nine and a half, by, by it and a half point uh, of ten. Look, Houston's already gone to Arrowhead and won outright this year. Now, granted, it was way back in mid-October, um, but they won 31-24. to 24. Um, The Chiefs have lost outright three times at home this year. Um, seven road assignments for the Texans because they had uh, one game in London, which would have been their game at the Jags. And, and the Texans are four and three straight up, four, two and one against the spread on the road. Um, you know, I just I love how Deshaun Watson played last week. I mean, 20 of 25, 247 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 55 rushing yards, one touchdown. Um, I just, you know, I think Houston goes in there with, with confidence. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, maybe they'll get back Will Fuller. We, we don't know yet, but that would be nice uh, if they did. And uh, I like the big dog uh, with the Texans at KC. It is interesting that the Chiefs are 5-0-1 against the number uh, in their last six games, obviously. The one variable was a, was a push last week where they won by 10 against the Chargers. Uh, but then again, Andy Reid in the postseason, we haven't talked about this yet on Three Dog Thursday, for whatever reason, uh, he tends to struggle in these games. They won the divisional round game off the bye last year with Indianapolis, but remember uh, two years ago, they blew the big lead at home. Mariota and the Titans came in there and upset them coming from behind in the second half. Weird things happen with Andy Reid, and you think Houston can keep it close enough at least to make it interesting. I hear you saying that, Brian. Yeah, and you know, and Pittsburgh went in there uh, and won uh, outright at Arrowhead a, a couple years ago as well. Yeah, man, when you've got Deshaun Watson, uh, he can just make so many big plays. Uh, you know, I, look, I, I, I'm not like calling for outright upsets on, on either game, but, you know, I'm okay with you know, let's say you're, let's say you're, you know, 200 is your bet on on the game plus 10. If you want to throw in 25 to 50 on, on a money line play on either one, I'm not I'm not against it, but it, make sure you do your money management right. Do it for much less. But uh, I won't be surprised if one of them can can steal uh, a victory. It'll take a Herculean effort, but um, it can certainly happen. I mean, you've mentioned those instances with Andy Reid. Uh, you know, he's only made one Super Bowl, and he's been to the playoffs up <laughs> Very true. And always on the divisional round, there seems to be at least one upset, if not a couple. New England was the most automatic, it seemed like, over and over again, that, hey, they're going to win at home, uh, and now they're out. So anything can truly happen uh, in these games and matchups. And Seattle-Green Bay, we'll touch on that here for a second. Uh, I wonder about the Packers who, uh, again, they, they needed to win against the Lions in the final regular season game to ensure the bye. They got that win. They've had the week off. How much do you buy into the road warrior mentality of Seattle as they time and again, not just this season but in recent years, go on the road and say, doesn't matter. We're going to find a way. They found a way in Philadelphia. How much magic does Russell Wilson have in the bag? How much mystique is there at Lambeau? I saw a forecast that said 20s, something like that forecast in the 20s for Sunday evening at Lambeau what do you what do you make of that I'm not saying you got to take the Seahawks but what do you make of that matchup yeah TJ and you and you nailed it I mean they've been doing this road warrior thing for four or five years it's crazy I mean they've been now Green Bay's in the central time zone technically as some that's correct astute, as some astute tweeter let me know today <laughs> I, pointed, 
I pointed out that Seattle was 6-0 straight up and 4-1-1 and against the spread uh, in the Eastern time zone this year. Uh, but, yeah, like flying back west and then back east again, that, that's tough for sure. Um, I have not played this game. Uh, I slightly sort of lean to Green Bay right now, but I um, – I don't know. Maybe I'll get a better feel for it as the week progresses. Right now, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Um, I had written down four, uh, four and a half on Sunday, and you know it's right there at four. So I think mean, I think it's a good line. Well, we do know this too. Green Bay suffered some losses late in the year after a good start, and Matt Lafleur, the coach, is a first year coach going against a borderline Hall of Fame coach in Pete Carroll of the Seahawks. We'll just find out what happens in that late game. Uh, Brian's not touching it, but do I dare look at the Seahawks a little later on here on Three Dog Thursday. And that will lead us to Monday night. We finally get the game, LSU and Clemson, with the extra week in between. Uh, Again, I've I've heard varying opinions. Some saying, hey, LSU probably wanted to play Clemson about 15 minutes after the Peach Bowl game was over with with Oklahoma. Let's go. We're still fired up. Why don't we got to wait two weeks? Meantime, Clemson enjoyed the extra week because of the knockdown dragout game they had with Ohio State. All right, that's me saying that. What do you make? Does it favor favor either team here that we've had an extra week in between this game? Brian Edwards, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that probably does favor Clemson because what a war that was with Ohio State, whereas, you know, LSU is just rolling and uh, just hot as a firecracker. And, yeah, um, I, I think it probably does favor Clemson. Nevertheless, I think LSU is the play. I, I just do – and, look, I mean, this is nothing anti-Clemson. I mean, they've Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost since high school. Um, you know, they, they're <laughs> – Defending champs, they're undefeated. I'm not saying anything negative about Clemson, but I'm convinced that barring an injury, knock on wood, that there is nobody that is going to stop Joe Burrow in this electrifying offense, and that's just bad. There's nobody stopping Joe Burrow. And tell me if I'm exaggerating here, but had the game been closer – and this game will be close. I mean, because Clemson's going to score plenty of points, too, I think. Um, but I really think LSU could have scored 100 points against Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I really think they, they could were, have. They I, were on track all along to get to 70. Once they got to 42 or 49 in the first half, it was a matter of how close is Oklahoma going to keep it, and at what point does the cookie monster, Ed Orgeron, want to take the foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter uh, or not? I don't know about 100. I don't know about Wilt Chamberlain. I don't know about a hundy, but they could have gotten to 70 in that playoff game, uh, and they got to, what, 62 or 63, whatever they got to uh, in that game. The only thing that I keep saying, and I was thinking it again here for the audience on Three Dog Thursday while you were saying it, is what could slow them down? What could slow down Burrow, LSU, the passing offense, is turnovers, takeaways, ways what if Clemson gets a couple of picks what if they are able to get a sack fumble and maybe a defensive score from some momentum that's the that's the biggest variable if that doesn't happen I think this is LSU by two touchdowns or better if they aren't getting turnovers it may be a blowout Brian Edwards could be I agree I agree with exactly what you you said you said you know in basketball the three-pointer is the equalizer in football uh, the the turnover battle is the equalizer or you know big special teams plays what have you but i just do not see 
anybody stopping this LSU offense. Again, Clemson will hang around. They'll score. Lawrence, I mean, Lawrence may throw for four touchdowns, but they're not going to win. LSU is going to outscore them. And uh, I think if it's seven or fewer, you take LSU. I, I, you know, I was able to get in and pick them before the semifinals. They had, you know, uh, all four potential uh, scenarios in the finals. Um, they had the lines out, and you could bet on them right then. I even got a little bit of LSU to win the national title over Clemson at three to one odds. So I'm sitting pretty with my situation, but I. I'm probably even, and I normally would never do this, you know, when you have a bet placed and then place some more on it at like five points worse, that's <laughs> stupid. But I do like it this much that I think I am going to do it. And I'm certainly rec- uh, recommending it to listeners or clients, what have you, that at LSU minus seven or fewer, I-, I think you're in great shape. Well, and you've written more about this. They can read it at VegasInsider.com. Go to Vegas Insider and see Brian's analysis of the championship game uh, here for this matchup. Hey, a quick fun one i haven't hit anybody else with this but i wonder with matt rule getting eight million plus guaranteed to come to the carolina panthers a matt rule that has never won a significant postseason game at temple or baylor and don't give me this that they got to the sugar bowl they got beat they got beat by georgia Dabo sweeney if 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 capital if if they were to win on monday it's a third national title in four years back to back and three and four years if if Matt Rule, God love him, what a country, can get $8 million a year to coach in the NFL, what could Dabo Sweeney get, by the way, to go venture into the pros if he wanted to do it? Brian, what, I'm being half facetious. What do you think? Right. Wow, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's got a lot to do with, with Carolinas. Isn't there, uh, isn't there a new owner, like the richest guy right. in America? Right. Yeah, so – and he was worried about the Giants, and so I just think he threw down a bunch of – a bunch of cash there, but yeah, Dabo, uh, what, whatever Saban is making, if Clemson wins <laughs> this coming week, uh, up him by like two million per. If he brings you another natty, I'm talking about Clemson itself. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if Dabo would ever be interested in going the NFL route. I, I kind of doubt he would be, um, but. Uh, yeah, good. God bless my, Matt Rule. Good for him. Yeah, what a country. And I, I don't believe, I think it's rather obvious, it's been said many times, I don't believe Dabo Swinney leaves, leaves Clemson for anything other than the Alabama job. I think if the Alabama job is open, that's one to watch. I don't think the NFL. I think he stays at Clemson maybe 10 more years, depending on how yeah. long Saban coaches and who else they want or if they want him. You buy that? Yeah, and I think it'll be like Roy Williams, uh, he didn't want to leave uh, Gooden and Collison and Heinrich when the North Carolina came calling the first time. But when uh, it didn't work out with Darty, when they came calling, whatever it was, three or four years later, he did go. You don't want to be the man to replace the man. You don't want to be Ron Zook replacing Spurrier. You want to be the guy replacing Ron Zook. So when Saban leaves, Dabo won't go. But when that, let's say, the Ray Perkins, that's who, who replaced Bear right, Bryant right. and was awful. Uh, whoever replaces Saban, maybe Dabo replaces him and goes back home later in life. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be a Clemson another day. Well, uh, yeah, you bring up a great point of, you know, who replaces Saban. You know, Jimbo Fisher did well as the coach in waiting with Bobby Bowden. They won a national title almost right away. Uh, you know, who replaces Coach K at Duke? Think about that. With all the longevity, all the wins, all the national titles, you know, somebody's got to do that, whether you're talking about Belichick. And all the, 
Yeah. And all the assistants that are head coaches yes. everywhere from Dawkins to, to Woj. Mike Bray. Uh, yes, all of them. Collins uh, yes. So who who replaces Coach K? Belichick. Is that Josh McDaniels uh, with all the success? Because at some point, who moves on? Uh, who knows? But I could, I could see if we're doing a show, God willing, in January of 2030, 10 years from now, 10 football seasons from now, I could still see Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He's a 60-year-old. I could still see him there, and I could see him with a couple more titles, maybe three or four more titles. Who knows? Uh, We don't know. Then again, maybe he leaves for greener pastures. Maybe he ends up at Alabama at some point. It'll be the fun, but the, the NFL thing I thought was just interesting with where are we headed if a college coach who hasn't coached a down of NFL football is worth eight million bucks, well, what a country! What a country on this! What a what a guy this is, Brian Edwards. Love the insight. Uh, fire away about where they can find out more of your information here coming off of Three Dog Thursday on your sites on your Twitter handle. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, at BrianEdwardsSports.com, uh, you can find my NBA or, or college hoops picks or, or any picks. Uh, you can read my content at MajorWager.com, also at VegasInsider.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. And if you want to follow Major Wager's Twitter account, where I, I also tweet about a lot of daily injuries in the NBA and college hoops uh, you know, on a daily basis, uh, check out that uh, Twitter account. It is at Major Wager Uno U N O. And as always, TJ, thanks a bunch for having me. And uh, it's always a good time. And happy New Year to you and uh, your listeners and everybody. I love the insight of Brian. And again, go to uh, MajorWager.com. Read his breakdown of the title game on VegasInsider.com. LSU Clemson, a lot of great insight, a lot of great plays to make for Monday night's championship game on VegasInsider.com. Follow him at Vegas B. Edwards. Uh, for more, he's got the Titans, he's got the Texans. He goes double dip on the AFC underdogs in the divisional weekend. We'll see what happens. Brian, this time next week, we'll be down to four teams in the NFL and we'll know who the national champion is. Let's see what happens this weekend. Enjoy the football. Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. Uh, you enjoy it as well. Thanks again. We are rolling along. We get to say Happy New Year to Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Is he still wearing? I cannot see him. He's all the way out on the West Coast from where I am in Florida. Is he wearing a black shirt, at least a black armband, after the Eagles' defeat at the hands of the Seahawks (laughs) last weekend? Good to have you. Like the 72 hours of mourning are now over with here. Have we come to grips with it that the Eagles are out? Yeah, yep. I had my, uh, you know, my Eagles flag at half mass. Uh, I buried <laughs> the 2019 season, and uh, yeah, time to move on. Uh, t- I mean, tough way because they they really rallied late in the season, and then just had a uh, you know kind of cheap shot by Clowney takes out when, uh... and that was it was just frustrating because that as a fan that was the whole thing that was so nice about this game is finally he gets uh, Wentz gets some legit playoff experience, and uh, I mean kudos to the Eagles. They did kind of – they all still played hard. I mean, Josh McCown just couldn't figure out the red zone offense uh, there. And, you know, still an interesting game. Kind of painful because they were still in it, but you uh, you just didn't feel great about it. But RIP uh, 2019 yep. Eagles. It's done. Uh, so that kind of morphs into something before we get into underdogs with you. I have not asked the other guests this, but I'm curious from you. We, we saw the Texans roar from behind a game that they probably should not have been trailing in, much less 16 to nothing at home. We saw the upset by the Titans in New England. Is it ding-dong, the witch is dead on the combination of Belichick and Brady? 
We then saw the Vikings overtime thrilling win at New Orleans. Uh, and, and now that late game with Seattle coming all the way east and winning in Philadelphia. If I were to say to you, what do you think the best coaching job was out of O'Brien, Vrabel, uh, Mike Zimmer, or Carroll, uh, of those four coaching jobs, three of them road victories, obviously. What would you say, Sean Green, to that? Yeah, you know, I, I'd have to go uh, Mike Zimmer. I really – I was leaning uh, New Orleans there. I, I picked New Orleans on the podcast, but I really liked what I saw uh, out of this Minnesota team. They came in super prepared. He, he seemed to have the team rallying around the idea that no one believes in us. And uh, New Orleans usually a tough place to win, but they came in, and I, I just thought they had a good game plan. Dalvin Cook ran the ball well. Uh, I mean, Drew Brees looked lost, and I, I couldn't tell if that was stuff that uh, Zimmer was doing on defense or just he wasn't seeing the field well. Uh, you know, Taysom held some nice plays, but I was really uh, impressed with the coaching job that Zimmer did. Well, and, you know, you bring up a point that I've not raised as of yet here on Three Dog Thursday. Taysom Hill had a couple of those big plays. And again, I, I watch the Saints uh, two times every year going against the Bucks in the NFC South. And, and he had the big plays. He, they've started to use him more, uh, not just as a Wildcat quarterback. They use him as a receiver. But I wonder, because there were a couple of times there, including when he had the big run, remember, there in the fourth quarter, he had the big uh, quarterback carry uh, on the run play. Everybody's all amped up. They're celebrating. they got to get reloaded. they got to put Breeze back in the game, back in the huddle. they got to get back to the line of scrimmage. That's where the play clock was running down, 3-2-1 on the next play. He snapped it quickly. He got blindsided. He fumbled on the next play. There is an argument to be made that maybe the Saints fooled around too much with Taysom Hill to their own detriment when something like that happened that may not have happened if you're leaving Drew Brees in as the quarterback. I know it cuts both ways. Hill made a big play, but you understand where I'm coming from there, that it had him a little disheveled, and it's a huge moment in the game because they not only don't get seven, they don't even get three there, Sean. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, how long's the NFL been going around? A hundred years. There's a reason no one's really successfully done this two quarterback system, and it, especially as the game uh, shifts into kind of a, a more passing game, it's a rhythm position. It's a rhythm. Uh, it's a rhythm game, and so I do think going in and out of the game does throw uh, a guy like Breeze off, or, or certainly, I mean that drop snap was pretty uncharacteristic and you couldn't help but think that maybe that had something to do with him, you know, getting subbed out randomly for these packages. There is a point where you can kind of get too cute. I mean, I get it. You're Sean Hill. You want to use this guy super athletic and he made a bunch of good plays and really kept them in the game. So uh, again, I get it, but uh, maybe you're just better off punting and sticking with Drew Brees the entire game or, moving on from Drew Brees and building around a guy like Taysom Hill. It is interesting. He's a free agent along with Tom Brady. Do you, I, I don't believe the Brady-Belichick marriage is broken. I believe he will be back for all the drama, for all the hype. Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft, is not going to let Tom Brady walk to another team as a free agent. Uh, I can't believe that. Until I see that, I will not believe that. Do you believe that Drew Brees might have played his last game with the Saints, or are they going to find a way? They're going to have to break the bank some and, and cripple their cap some. Uh, again, he's an unrestricted free agent. They cannot franchise tag him again. So what, I mean, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I look to, and again, giving you kind of the West Coast analysis here out in Los Angeles, this Chargers team is desperate to do something. I don't know how easy it is to move on for them emotionally from Phillip Rivers because the few fans they have are Phillip Rivers guys, but I, I think they need to do something. They need to do something big, uh, and they need to do it soon. And the easiest way to make a huge splash is at the quarterback position. And, so they, and he yeah. played for the Chargers before. They traded oh, him. So, yeah, or actually, was, yep. actually he, uh, he left as a free agent, I think, after playing for the Chargers. So wouldn't that be wild if he were to somehow end up back on the left coast in L.A.? With the Chargers, yeah. uh, I, I, I can't. The, uh, I, I don't see it though, Sean. I can't see him wanting to play elsewhere because of the marriage again with Sean Payton. Maybe I'm just call me old fashioned, call me just an idealist. I don't know that I. I we got to get used to it. I made mention uh, uh, previously. I think here I'm trying to remember everything that we've uh, that we've talked about here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, but I've talked about it other places too on other interviews. That if you get used to to uh, Joe Montana playing in Kansas City, if you get used to Peyton Manning being in a Denver Bronco uniform, or Brett Favre being in Jets and Vikings gear, you may have to accept Brady or Breeze being in other colors, right? Yeah, and I mean, as far as potential destinations, it really the only one that makes sense for either one of those guys to me is Los Angeles because it's still a huge market city. You're coming in with the new stadium. Uh, you can get paid, they'll max you out, and you can kind of do things your way. Uh, yeah, gun to my head, I mean, the, the betting odds are, are there for a reason. I, I think Brady right now is minus 200 to stay with the Patriots. But even that is insanely low for a guy that's won them six Super Bowls. So uh, it's still interesting to see. Uh, it certainly created some interesting offseason drama. Voice of Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast. He and Ryan Kramer love their insight on their podcast, their fleet of shows that they have as they do uh, picks, they do daily fantasy, they do all kinds of stuff in and around the NFL and college football. We will get to the uh, college football playoff championship game and get a little quick take from Sean, find out if he likes the Clemson Tigers or not. All right, buffet in front of you, divisional round, uh, Vikings at the 49ers, uh, likewise Seattle at Green Bay in the NFC, AFC, Tennessee at Baltimore, uh, and then the one uh, remaining game there uh, in Kansas City, the Houston Texans at the Chiefs on Sunday. Do any of those underdogs, maybe more than one, but do any of them appeal to you, or which one appeals the most? Well, the one that's really jumping out at me is uh, this Minnesota Vikings team. You know, I mentioned in uh, in the earlier uh, portion of the interview that Mike Zimmer did a great job coaching, and uh, I think he's going to have these guys prepared again. Certainly, they're on a short week. They're playing outdoors, but uh, Thielen, I mean, you saw the plays he was making. He looks completely healthy. Dalvin Cook uh, was running at a high level. I- I've made fun of Kirk Cousins a bunch uh, over this past NFL season, and maybe he just uh, stepped on a, ba- a black cat on a Monday night or whatever it is, but <laughs> he played great. He, he, he really came up uh, big, even you know, especially in that uh, overtime drive. And you look at uh, San Francisco. I, I, I've been, I don't know, I've just been hesitant to really fall in love with the San Francisco team. I, ha- I still have some questions about Jimmy G. And you look at these, all the stats, the trends, the analysis when it comes to guys making their first playoff start, in particular uh, as home favorites. 
Uh, I think uh, guys making their first playoff start as a home favorite, five and sixteen against the spread, and. I don't blindly bet trends, but when a trend makes sense like that, you're coming in uh, to your first playoff game and there's a big expectation because you're a favorite, uh, I think there's something to that. So I think Minnesota's going to be in this game. I think, they're, I think their uh, defense can hang. I think they should be able to run the ball a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think it should be a good game. So getting seven points for the Minnesota Vikings, that's uh, that's too tempting to turn down. Dalvin Cook, huge in this game. He ran well with the busted shoulder last week, comes back a week later. And let's see how he can do. Um, and, again, the 49ers have played wild game after wild game. A victory in New Orleans with both teams in the high 40s. The the loss to Atlanta. I know you know this, Sean, on like the, the last play of the game to Julio Jones on the goal line. Then they win oh, yeah. on the final Sunday night. They win by stopping the Seahawks on the goal line with virtually no time left. Uh, on the past completion. So they have played some wild games, and now they've had the bye, and let's see what happens with Minnesota uh, in that matchup. And uh, and we'll see how the rest of the divisional round uh, plays out here, see if the faves do come through, especially uh, Baltimore um, as the number one seed there in the AFC. And, and you just mentioned the 49ers might struggle as the one seed in the NFC. Kansas City, no New England now for them. Kansas City realizes we've got a chance to get to the Super Bowl. We'll find out if they can make it happen, find out if they can get it done. And then the Packers off the bye week with the Seahawks, the upset-minded Seahawks. We'll find out there. Before we let you go, Monday night, LSU, Clemson. I wonder, I've not asked this of the other guests, you give great perspective again from the West Coast. We have had championship game after championship game involving Southern teams, whether it's Alabama and Clemson, or in this case, or Alabama and Georgia two years ago, or now in this case, LSU and Clemson. Do you believe in the West? Do you believe in the Midwest, in the Northeast, that this game is going to resonate a couple of weeks after we've played the semifinals and more than 10 days after we've played New Year's Day, do you think the rest of the country, speculate, cares as much as we do in the South about LSU and Clemson? Well, I, I think two things are going on. I, I think the, the impact that Joe Burrow has basically dubbed the number one quarterback overall in the NFL draft, I think that's enough. Uh, to bring people to this game. And, hey, it's a Monday night. There's no Monday night football. I'm sure the ratings will do well. But just as, like, a casual observer here uh, and you know, a guy who runs a sports gambling podcast and sports gambling website, I, I don't know why they didn't run this, uh, you know, last Monday. It feels like any sort of momentum and hype and interest that they had going around uh, for the college football playoffs, they kind of let the NFL steal their thunder. Uh, I think it would have been a lot more interesting having it this uh, past Monday instead of letting it go on for another week. So I, I think we were talking about this the last time I was on your podcast, TJ, about whether or not they should give them that extra week. And I, I don't know, just kind of my feelers out there in the sports talk world, it does seem like uh, they should have just kept it one week there. Well, and, and again, Gary Seegers was explaining this earlier in the podcast before you came on, and I was talking about it as well that uh, they originally were going to play the semifinal games on the day before New Year's on New Year's Eve. Of course, that was a mess when they did it three or four years ago in terms of television ratings. So by design, they moved these back to the Saturday, which was the 28th, the semifinals, LSU, Oklahoma, and Clemson, Ohio State. And so that created 
essentially 16 days between the games instead of nine days, like what you're talking about. I, I don't know if at some point they couldn't have worked it out to have been in the Superdome uh, this past Monday night. Uh, somehow the extra week may help. I, ju- I just wonder. I-, I wonder if we aren't going to see a ratings hit in the big markets in the Midwest, in the Northeast, and in the West, that they don't care as much. If, if this had been Ohio State, for example, if this had been a West yeah. Coast team like Oregon, it would probably be different. I think there are a lot of people that are shrugging at this going, it's two Southern teams again. Just my hunch. Just my hunch. Uh, for money. So you're not going to take Clemson as the underdog. Do you believe that LSU, Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast will roll in this game and win convincingly? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep going back and forth. The number just moved from five up to six. But uh, it, it's so tough to bet against uh, this Clemson team because, again, they've won, what, 28 in a row? And then uh, it's so tough to bet against LSU. I, I think I'm just going to end up riding the LSU Tigers it just really feels like it is their year with, uh, I mean, just Joe Burrow and Eddie L. Like, there's a perfect match. They've they've really done well against high levels of competition. I mean, the fact that they just destroyed Oklahoma. I think any kind of over cockiness that they had, maybe from that from that Oklahoma blowout. Uh, I think maybe the bye week that kind of washed away. And I think they'll get up for this uh, Clemson game. And I don't think they'll roll per se, but I I could. I probably got them winning by like ten points, something like that. I think they'll, I think they're just uh, hands down better team. I mean, again, Trevor Lawrence has never lost, so you're betting against his first uh, <laughs> first college loss, so it is scary. But uh, yeah, I'll go Joe Burrow. I I just really like the combination of him and Ed O. I I, I think they have a good connection, and uh, this LSU team motivation seems extremely high well we'll see too because Dabo Sweeney has been in this game over and over and over again and they were so impressive last year I know that's last year they don't have the same with with defensive uh, help but I, I still think turnovers might be a factor can Clemson create a couple of them we will find out for Monday uh, Sean, I always love getting the chance to chat with you. Tell the audience more about where they find you, your stuff, everything with Sports Gambling Podcast, sir. Yep. Check us out, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, Sports Gambling Podcast, and iTunes, Spotify, wherever great podcasts are downloaded. We're always talking uh, college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL. And really, I mean, golf right around the corner, March Madness. Whatever you're betting on, uh, we're talking about it. Yeah, this podcast will become much more college basketball in the coming uh, weeks here with the NFL dwindling down. We wrap the college season, and believe it or not, there's no NFL game in a couple of weeks. There's championship weekend next weekend with two games. Then we take a hiatus on the NFL and talk exclusively college basketball in just a couple of weeks here on Three Dog Thursday. Look forward to doing that with Sean. He and Ryan Kramer do a great job. Follow him at Sean T. Green, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, despite him having the black armband, the black sunglasses, and the flag at half mast <laughs> for the Eagles, he still perseveres on. The Sports Gambling Podcast can be found anywhere you have podcasts. And again, uh, go to the sportsgambling.com uh, website to find out more as well. Sean, I always love it. I hope we get good games this weekend. You're on the Vikings as your underdog for this weekend. Good luck on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, right, take it easy, TJ.
And there he goes. My thanks to Sean Green being with me once again here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Find him on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Thanks also to Brian Edwards before him with MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. All the way back at the beginning, Gary Seegers was our first guest to join us. That is the Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Chris Giannini love those guys as well. Good luck to them and their underdogs. I will only have two underdogs from this weekend. I like Tennessee to keep it close with the Ravens on Saturday night. In particular, if Mark Ingram is not fully healthy, I don't think he will be. I think the Titans hang in with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, Derrick Henry running it. Give me 10 points. That's a lot of points. I love that one. I looked at the Seahawks against the Packers. I just think some of their magic is going to run out. I know I went against them last week, so I don't have great credibility here because I didn't believe in the Seahawks last week in Philadelphia. I still don't believe in them with Aaron Rodgers and company coming off the bye week. Uh, other than that, I, I think that Green Bay wins. I think Kansas City wins. I'll take San Francisco over Minnesota. I think their magic runs out as well. I will take the Clemson Tigers to keep it close. Monday night is my other underdog against LSU. Clemson may win this game. Those that are picking LSU by two touchdowns, I know Chris Giannini was laughing at me on their podcast, on the Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show. I just think Brent Venables with that defense, as I keep saying all week, and have said here on Three Dog Thursday, they have been scheming for an extra week. They'll have blitzes. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be wild in the Superdome. Clemson, the defending champs. Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. High-scoring game. I think this one is going to be in the 30s. Uh, something like 34-31, 38-35. I will take the Clemson Tigers to hang close, if not win. That's my other underdog. So good luck to the guests with their underdogs. Again, Gary Seekers took two double-digit underdogs in the AFC playoffs. So did Brian Edwards, liking both Tennessee and Houston, both of those guys. Uh, Sean Green took Minnesota. I like the Titans as well with the 10 points. Gary's the only guy to take Clemson with me in the five or the five and a half on Monday night. We'll see if it's a great championship game or not. One thing is for sure, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you heard it or found it, subscribe to it. It comes automatically to you. Go to iTunes, go to Spotify, go to Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, and subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. It'll come automatically to your device, to your iPad. Look forward to having you subscribe to the show, whether you found us on a social media link through Red Circle or a social media link elsewhere. Lots of playoff conversation. Of course, the chance. Championship games will be coming next week in the AFC and the NFC. We'll see what happens there. We'll recap the championship Monday night college football game and much more. And then lots of college basketball upcoming as well here as part of Three Dog Thursday. That'll do it. My thanks to my guests uh, for being with me in the handicappers. Good luck to them and their underdogs on the playoff weekend in the Monday night title game. I will see what happens here with the Tennessee Titans and the Clemson Tigers. And we'll talk all about it next week. Here on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to the underdogs. Thank you for finding Three Dog Thursday. Bye.